We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called The Power of Worship, and today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Love That Brings Glory to God. Let's turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, the series that we've been going through is called My Church Filled with God's Power. My Church Filled with God's Power. Now, how do we have a church filled with God's power? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today in God's Word. Two things I want to mention to you right off the top. These are two things that I would encourage you to be praying for. A great church has one pursuit. A great church has one pursuit, and that's to bring glory to God and to experience the glory of God. Churches go awry when they go after this thing, and I'm going to go after this thing, and I'm all about multiple things. Um, I really want to have a church building, or I really want to have a this, or I think we should do it like this, or I think we should hire a worship pastor like this, or I think we should do this, or all these random things, and we don't miss the one thing, worshiping God. It actually comes right into this text. Here's the second thing. This is the other thing we're going to talk about today. Sometimes a church can be focused on the glory of God, but if the church is not focused on protecting a spirit of unity, of loving one another, you can have one pursuit, but people are at each other. There's no unity of heart. There's no one heart, so to speak, within the church, a loving heart, a passionate heart. And that's what God wants for our church. One pursuit, one heart. And that's what we're going to look at today in God's Word. Once you uh, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse 23. I think there's a time where it's good to just honor the Lord and show respect for His Word by standing together as we read Scripture. So I just want to ask you, why don't you just stand together, and we're going to read the entire passage, and then we're going to go through it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says, Paul says, All things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Uh, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, i.e. to an idol, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean uh, your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? Then I want us all to read this together. Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Then Paul goes on to say, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Uh, let's, uh, you can be seated and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to come together to worship you in spirit and in truth and now to open your word. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts or that you would bring conviction, that you would bring a joy as we hear your words of truth. And Lord, we want to go away um, worshiping you not just from our lips but from our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, clearly, uh, the, the central verse in the text we're studying today is verse 31, where Paul says, uh, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our lives, everything in our lives, ought to be about bringing glory to God. That's, that's why you exist, in case you were unaware of that. We don't exist for a church. We don't exist for our families, our jobs, or we don't exist for all that stuff. We exist for one thing, to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Think about it this way. I exist so that when people see my life, when people see my life, they see God being glorified. Now, some of us like that. At certain times, you know, there's certain seasons where we're like, wow, that's a season where for sure God's going to get glory out of my life. life where, you know, something really cool happens and I share the gospel with somebody and they come to Christ. For sure God's getting glory out of that. Or maybe it's something happening in my marriage and I, wow, God is really getting glory out of that. But you know, there's other seasons in our life when there's brokenness, when there's pain, when there's failure, and God gets just as much glory out of that season as he does out of the victories, depending on how we respond to it. It's those around us who, you know, it's kind of like your neighbors. You know, it's interesting how you have different neighbors, right? There's the, there's the neighbors that, like, I don't know what they're doing, but maybe they work for the CIA because, like, their windows are all always, the blinds are always shut, you know, the lights are never on. You can never see anything. Are they even living there? Then there's the other neighbor, right, where you can see them, I mean, walking around, you know, right there they took their shower, their windows are open, their lights are always on. They're like, hey, here's where we are. Um, and maybe you could shut the shades occasionally. It would be great. Um, but whatever, you, whatever kind of person you are, the reality is people are looking through the windows in our lives and they're gonna see what's going on. And it's when they see through the windows in our lives that they observe whether our lives are bringing glory to God or not. That's how they see. And it's very important for us, whether we're involved with somebody in the church and ministering to them or somebody outside the church, that God is getting glorified uh, through our lives. Here's the other thing that strikes me out of this verse. Notice it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Paul calling us by the Holy Spirit to glorify God in the mundane things of life. Like he didn't say, hey, when you go to church and you're starting up that new small group, glorify God. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, bring glory to God. God cares about the details in our lives. You know, so have you ever been out with somebody, out been with friends, you know, and you're all, maybe you're a little tired and a bunch of friends come over, it's getting late and you're like, hey, what do you guys want to do? What do you want to do? You want to, you want to go out to get something to eat? You want to go play pool? What do you want to do? And, and no, nobody's decisive, like, ah, whatever, eh, whatever, ah, whatever. Don't you hate that moment when like nobody can make their mind up? Whatever, whatever. It's in the whatever times that God wants to be glorified just as much as the peaks. God cares about the whatever times. Now, how does God work in our lives? How does he bring glory to himself? Like, how are we supposed to work out this whole glory thing? And why does he mention this eating and drinking thing? Is there something going on here? Well, if you've been, if you've been listening to sermons the last couple weeks, you're probably your little antennas going up saying, there's a little more going on here, Luke. And that's true. That's true. You know, sometimes I think we, we as Americans have a tendency uh, to live our lives in independence. We love independence. We love our independence. We don't want nobody telling us what to do. We don't want nobody getting too into my life. Hey, I'm independent. I'm an American. I got my freedom. Don't mess with it. And yet, sometimes because of that, it leads us to do things that are not honoring to the Lord. We miss opportunities to bring glory to God. I want to share this with you. 
The primary funnel through which my life and your life brings glory to God is in our relationships. That's the primary funnel. If sometimes we think about, well, God is glorified by me getting up early and reading my Bible. That's true. But I'm going to tell you the primary funnel through which God is glorified in our lives is through our relationships. It's through my relationships at church, in my small group, at AT&T or Battelle or um, Chick-fil-A, wherever you work, or at OSU or Cleveland State or wherever you are, and whatever you're doing, those relationships are the primary area where God is glorified or not glorified uh, through our lives. Relationships are where I either bring great glory to God or fail to bring glory to God. Now, some of you are like going, oh, yikes. If the primary area that I bring glory to God is in my relationships, I stink at the glory thing. You ever thought about that? You ever, you ever analyzed your life and you're like, wow, if that's where God is getting glory through my life, I am really not doing a great job. Uh, maybe my marriage isn't where I want it, or maybe I've, um, my, my relationship with my kids is not great, and you're thinking, wow, that's where God's glorified? Ugh. Well, while you're feeling bad, let me make, let me make you feel a little bit worse. Um, I want to read a verse to you that was very convicting recently. First John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Here's the key line. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, what's the word there? Cannot love God who he has not seen. It doesn't say might be able to. It says cannot. So one of the evidences of your faith and the genuineness of your love is your ability to love other people, people. My primary purpose in life is to bring glory to God. The most frequent opportunities to bring glory to God are found in expressing love within my human relationships, okay? I'm sorry, God doesn't really care a lot about your dog, not nearly as much as you do. God doesn't care about your softball team. He cares about your softball teammates, it's in these places. Um, who, who, who are the people that test our character the most? Okay, so there's some IT people here. I know that. And you probably think that it's computers. No, it's not the computers. It's the dumb person that screwed up the computer that tested your patience, right? And it's those people that need the grace of God, that need the love of God in that moment. But primarily, it's people. It's the little kids. It's coming to church. And you just did what all over your shirt? Okay? It's the people that test the character of our lives. That is where God is glorified in the mundane things where we choose or choose not to bring glory to God. Who should we be investing our lives into? Humans, not your goldfish. That's the primary arena where God is glorified. And actually in this text, I'm not making this up, in this text, what Paul is talking about in terms of bringing glory to God through what we eat or drink is in the context of relationships. It's about relationships. Paul is concerned. He's not telling them eat or drink, just, you know, drink a Coke, don't have a Coke, whatever, I don't care. He doesn't care about that. What he's talking about is a broader issue of what the Corinthians were choosing to do, whether they were going to live life however they wanted to and offend other brothers, or whether they were going to live their lives in such a way to care for other people and to show love in their relationships even difficult ones. 
Hi, this is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these Meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, we'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. We're going to look at four ways to glorify God through the love that we show in our relationships. That's what the rest of the text is about. Why don't you join me in verse 23, back up to the beginning. Paul's going to give a little quote here that had been used, a little phrase. He starts in verse 23 with, All things are lawful which would have been a quote that the Corinthians would have used. Could have even been Paul that taught them that at the beginning of Paul's time there. He might have been teaching them, listen, you don't have to live like a Jew, okay? All things are lawful. You can eat whatever. You don't have to become a Jew to become a Christian. And so he had trained them in that, perhaps even given them that phrase. But they took that phrase and basically said, hey, we're going we're gonna to do whatever we want wherever, no matter what happens to other people, no matter how it affects other people. We don't care about loving other people. All things are lawful. Freedom first. Love if you have chance. You know, when we talk about what's lawful, what we're really talking about is our rights. When we say something's lawful, we're saying, I have a right to do this. As a spouse, I have some rights. As a parent, I have some rights. As a pastor, even, I have some rights, you might say. You have rights. Whatever position you are in life, wherever God has you, you have some rights. We have rights. But just because I have a right to something does not mean that it is wise or loving. That's what Paul's honing in on. Love weighs the impact of actions on others. Something can be lawful, something can be fine, biblically speaking, but if it's not helpful to my neighbor, or if it's not building them up, that's a problem. I thought I'd just have a little bit of fun here. Actually, one of my neighbors is here, but I'm not referring to him when I'm doing this stuff, so. I was just thinking my next door, immediate next door neighbor. I was thinking about them. You know, seven things that I could do that are lawful, but not helpful. Maybe you can identify with this. Hopefully you don't have a neighbor that's like this. Here's the first thing that I could do to my neighbor that's lawful, but not helpful. First one is painting my house pink. It's lawful. I can choose the color in my house. Probably not gonna help the value of my neighbor's house. Here's the second thing. I can landscape my yard to look like a jungle. It's lawful. If I want my backyard to look like a jungle, that's my choice. Actually, it's pretty easy. You just don't cut your grass for a long time. I'm actually pretty good at that already. Here's the third thing. I could tow my neighbor's friend's car when they slightly block my driveway. Instead of asking him to move it, I could just call a tow company. Hey, he was in my way. Sorry. My, my, I have a right to this way. I have a right to my driveway. Excuse me. Tow that car out of here. That's lawful. Probably not helpful. I could fly a Michigan flag in my yard just to annoy him. Even though I don't even like Michigan, but it would annoy him. It's lawful. Here's another one. I could build a dandelion flower bed just upwind of his lawn. Lawful. It's my yard. I like dandelions most of the time. Or I could share my music liberally until 8.59 p.m., then call the cops on him if he does it at 9.01. It's lawful. Here's the last one, just to be mean. I could invite every neighbor in my uh, little neighborhood for a barbecue except him. And ask him not to come over if he sees us all having a good time. Okay? I, I would never do that. I love my neighbors. But it's lawful, but it's not helpful. Do you see the difference? 
And sometimes the things we do, sometimes not even meaning to do it, we can be more focused on our rights than focused on caring for the people around us. We as Americans love our rights. Rights are good. Love rights. Love the right to be worshiping here. But I'm going to tell you something. We will find so much more joy in our lives when we're willing to lay down our rights so that we can love and bless others. God wants our lives to be about building up others and encouraging them. I'm going to tell you the greatest experiences in my life have been when I've poured into somebody else and seen them grow and seen them change. Isn't that, isn't that the most exciting times in your life? That's what God wants us focused on. That's what brings glory to God. That's what these strong, quote-unquote, strong Christian believers in Corinth needed to hear. Okay, they thought they had certain rights to eat certain food. Listen, if I want to eat food sacrifice, it's been sacrificed to idols. If I go to the meat market and I find some food sacrificed to idols, I don't care. Idols are dumb. They're nothing. Read the, read the Bible. They're nothing. It's cheap. It's good meat. It's really good meat. I want to do it. But Paul's saying, you know what? If that leads another believer to be able to start thinking like, well, maybe, maybe it'd be okay if I even worshiped idols and maybe that other believer has really a history and idolatry and it starts to yank them back into that. Um, it's lawful, but it's not helpful. I want you to just think about this for a minute. Love weighs the impact of actions on others. The fathers. Sometimes what we do and what we want to do and what we think would be encouraging or restful to us is not helpful to our families. Sometimes when we need to come home, we need to put them first. Sometimes we need to be careful what we watch on television. Sometimes we need to be careful how we communicate things. Maybe you're an older sibling. It's something that you have a right to do or a right to say, uh, but that's going to have a negative impact on your younger siblings. Think about what you're doing. Your life is impacting other people. Is it building up others? Something to think about. Or maybe in your small group, you have a newer believer in your small group. One thing we have to be careful about is when, you know, we want new believers here. And I love when people come to Christ. That is so exciting. But sometimes they don't quite understand everything. And sometimes the freedom you have in Christ, they're not ready to handle yet. And you need to be careful to encourage them and to build them up in a way where they can grow in their faith. You know, many think of Christianity. I want to be careful when I say this. Many think of Christianity as a religion of don't, don't, and by the way, thou shalt not. And that's not what Christianity is about. And if you're hearing this and you're like, well, you know, I'll just stop doing all this stuff. Okay, I'll just stop doing stuff. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. A Christianity is about what you do. It's about loving people. It's about building them up and caring for them. That's the heart of what Paul's saying. He's not saying, oh, by the way, don't do this and don't do that. And when you've done that, by the way, thou shalt not. That's not what he's saying. Do you hear me? Christianity is about what you do. It's about loving Christ and loving people. Of course, salvation is not by what we do. I want to be clear on that. Salvation is by faith alone. But Christianity itself is about doing things in genuine love. Let's look at verse 24. Paul says next, he says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I want you to notice the word seek there. That's the imperative here. Present active imperative. This is what God's trying to communicate to us in this text is um, love is not passive. Bringing glory to God is not passive. It's active. Um, what we do to love others is not, you know, it's like this. Love is not like 
going through airport security. When you go through airport security, the best thing for you to do is to do nothing. Don't say anything. Don't give any weird looks. Don't make any comments about people, especially the people in uniforms. Don't mention that you, um, you know, blew up your fireworks three days before. The word blow up is not a great word to be using as you're going through. It's just better to say nothing. Okay? But that's not how it is in the Christian walk. Paul wants us to seek actively the good of others. Take opportunities to seek the good of others. It's not good enough to do nothing. If you're coming to church and you're like, I just love this church. I just come in here and I sit down and I worship the Lord and I go home and I feel so refreshed. Great. But your good feelings ended today. Because what God's word is saying to you is, listen, you need to seek the good of another. You need to seek the good of other believers around you. You need to seek the good. If you're not doing something good, you failed. Now, just saying that is easy. Working that out can often be very challenging. Love seeks the best outcome for others. Love seeks the best outcome for others. That's how we bring glory to God, by seeking the best, best outcome for others. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? There's many things I could spend three hours discussing. Maybe you should do that in your small groups. All you small group leaders, this is what you're talking about. Maybe an accountability, it'd be a great time. How are you seeking the good of the people in your life? It'd be a great discussion point. We could talk about that for hours. But one of the key parts of seeking good for others, I'm going to say, as I thought about it, is communication. How we communicate that, how we enter someone's life and try to seek the good for them is critical. How many times have you stepped into somebody's life and tried to seek the good for them and it didn't end up good? You ever done that? Stepped into your teenager's life and like, hey, I'm going to help you seek the good. And they're like, get out of my life. I don't want your help. I'm not, not a great attitude. But still, sometimes it's complex. You step into your spouse's life and try to seek the good for them and try to help them get to a better place. You gotta be really careful how you do that. I was thinking about this. Um, you ever um, read over a paper or maybe um, read a note uh, from someone that had really bad punctuation? And you're like, what, what are they trying to say? I mean, there's some really good words in here, but the, the, the clarity is just completely lacking. You know, there's... Some of you students are laughing because you probably got a red paper filled with red marks when your teacher told you. That's what I used to get too. Okay, when I remember when I started undergrad, my papers, I had some great thoughts, but I just was not very good at communicating them. The punctuation was not in the right place. And I had a professor who was very concerned about punctuation and grammar. For four years, he hammered it into my head. So that by the time I was done, I could say this. I may not be a very good writer, but my punctuation rocks. <laughs> Um, well, sometimes that's uh, easier said than done in the lives of others. I'm going to tell you something. You know what? My punctuation didn't change overnight. It took a lot of hard work. And if we're going to seek the best for others, it's not something you just go home and do, because sometimes our best intentions won't end up being good. It's something you have to learn over time, and you have to learn how to communicate with others. Hey, I want to seek the best for you. Hey, would you just let me help you here? Would you let me pour into your life? I want to give you some, we'll just call this, let me give you six um, punctuation marks to help you communicate with others as you're seeking their good. That was a mouthful. Six punctuation marks that can help you communicate better with others. You want to pop that up on the screen? Because I was thinking about punctuation yesterday. Um, how many of you work with a computer regularly? Almost everyone. 
Here's what I want you to be thinking about. This will be a practical application point for you as you're using your computer tomorrow and you're texting or whatever you're doing. I want to go through these, think about these. Six different ways that we can communicate to others and help seek the best for others. The first one is the question mark. You know, some of us, um, we just do a lot of talking at people, right? I come home, I talk to my kids, do this, do this, do this. Honey, I need this. Honey, and so and so, I need this. And by the way, this. And how many of us just sit down and ask people a question? Like, how's it going? How you doing, brother? Tell me a little bit about what's going on. You're like, tell me something that's, just give me one thing that's really challenging you right now. Or, or tell me one thing that's, that you're really fired up about. What's something I could pray for you about? How many questions do we ask if we really want the answer? And if you're gonna seek the best for someone else, sometimes you just need to sit down and grab 10 minutes with somebody and ask them a meaningful question and listen until they're done. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.